3: Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by two of my favourite people to talk over United's wins um, over the last week. It's been a real indulgence for me over the last 24 hours. I uh, went to the game with my nephew and one of my very best mates in the entire world who's joining us on the podcast this morning, Dave Murphy. Um, how are you doing, Dave? Are you all right? Yeah,
1: I'm doing doing pretty well. Jet lag is jet lag is you know finally crushed and I had a a, a nice sausage and bacon sandwich this morning, so I'm I'm happy and
0: I'll set the goal.
3: And obviously always um as always joined by United Legend Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul?
0: I'm good, thank you, Wayne. Not bad at all. I haven't had anything to eat yet. Even though even though I've been up since half past six this morning, not eating a thing, and now David has come out and said that. It's absolutely killing me now. I'm a little bit... I'm a bit green-eyed monster, here.
3: Yeah? <laughs> All round today, you can make us a breakfast. Uh, morning, Ben. hope <laughs> you doing well. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, um, please like and subscribe. If get, feel free to take questions and if you're watching live as well. If you're watching the replay, say hello. Feel free to comment. We do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. And if you're watching through Twitter... Um, if you want to join in the conversation, you need to get onto YouTube or Facebook, because you can't see the comments there. Um, so, obviously, we're going to talk about West Ham and, and the win, but just a quick note on the win over Sheriff. Paul, um, a lot of fuss was made over the wide players. First of all, Garnaccio, we talked about his um, need to start a game, and he did, and he, you know... He didn't pull up any trees, but he was pretty good. He was confident. He played in that kind of aggressive manner we were hoping to see. There was never any moment where he felt he was overawed by the performance. And then you had all this um, stuff about Anthony on the other side when he does the 360. fights. We win a game 3-0. And all that anybody seems to be talking about is this trick that he does with the ball, which I'm going to be honest, watching it live, he does the spin, you laugh. It's like a little bit entertaining. He kicks it out of play, you go oh, that's a bit deflating. But then you go online and you see that everyone's kicking up a fuss about it. And I'm like, I really want him to do it again on Sunday because it's just entertaining. And, like, you know, at that moment in time, Kerry for playing with a 10-man defence, he's basically like, look, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because we've seen him try it before. So it's not always the case. But in this situation, he's spinning with the ball. He's kind of like saying someone's got to come and try and dare and take it off me. Um, and they weren't making any kind of commitments. Um, what what did you make of it, Paul? I mean, you're you're a pro, long in the game. You've been a full-back marking a player doing something like that. What would you have done?
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, I'd be disappointed if someone was that close to goal where he was. He was reasonably close, and I was that far away. But I think you'd just be stunned, really, and you would laugh. You would laugh. I don't think easiest thing to think I'd come out and say I would want to kick him but I don't that was never in my dna to go and do that to anybody in that way but I think I'd like to get I would like to get closer to him and hope that he would try something where I could go and nick it off of him but I think you've hit the nail on the head by saying we're moaning in, about today's football and I'm one of them I, I moan about about the premier league and I hate saying that word I hate those words premier league because it's no different to any. It's still men playing football. It's it shouldn't be shouldn't be trying to distance himself from the football league. It's all together. Mm-hmm. But the word is entertainment, and that's what the Premier League is, is lacking on a regular basis. There's people who want to entertain. It's made it so saturated by money, money, money. Everybody earning money, that that goes out the window. Entertainment because everyone like Bournemouth, Bournemouth play to disrupt. I had to watch them against West Ham on Monday. The only thing that stopped me leaving was the fact I had a microphone over my mouth and earphones on, otherwise I would have left early. It was painful, painful watching Bournemouth play there. They haven't changed from the championship. Everything is, gets a kick on the ankle, hold your head, and you know, and someone's breaking away, fall on the floor, hold your head. It's, it's, It's absolutely terrible what they do. So... Entertainment is key. And when people are paying the money they're paying to come to a game and then to go, and then to get a ticket to watch a game and they're only seeing really an average fifty eight minutes of football, then when someone goes and does something like that, you think to yourself, That's what people want to see. That doesn't matter whether or not he he missed it doesn't the ending's poor as it was. But it's something different that everyone starts laughing. Everyone's doing all different little clips of it on Twitter. I've seen dogs running around in circle. I've, I've seen so many different things going on. So, that, so that's what it's about. I mean, that's, that's yeah. things like that when you suddenly, when you see something like that on social media, you go, yeah, that's the bits I can relate to where everybody can see everything. But what he done... Would if w- He wouldn't have done that if the scoreline had been different. He'd done that because the game was won, they weren't going to get beaten, and to be honest, he doesn't care. And he'll, he'll go and do that. If that was against Liverpool, and they were 3-0 up, Manchester United, and he was to do that, then every United fan would absolutely love that. There's always another game, of course, but it's at that moment. It's And that's what it is, really, football. It is about a moment, and... And that and that kind of maybe lifted everyone up because the game was done and dusted. It wasn't the most exciting, so fair play to him.
3: Um, I hate to have to correct you, Paul, but he did it at nil nil. But the point remains, he did the skill at nil, yeah. but it doesn't matter because it was against again not to be too disrespectful. It was against a team who had no ambition whatsoever, and they weren't ever coming to threaten to try and win. And Ben says he's looking forward to the Bournemouth game in January, or especially now they move the kickoff time to like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night or whatever it is. Um, Dave, United are are always at the best when they've got two wingers of different um, skills. You know, you see one doing one thing on one side and one doing the other. So in in Gonacho, you've got someone a little bit direct. So you were there to see his full debut, which was a nice touch. And then you've got Anthony doing um, the tricks and the sort of circus on the other side. What did you make of it?
1: No, I I love it. I I agree 100% what Paul's saying. You go to football to be entertained. Um, I I
3: get that there's there's
1: certain games that you know you got to be cautious, but you know even even though the game was only nil nil, um, I think I think what Paul may be referring to is that it it was a game we were never going to lose. It was we were absolutely destroying them. Um, it was all one way traffic. Uh, for me, it was very comfortable to do it at that moment in time it was it was i thought it was great i'll be honest which i really did. i don't understand the opera I, I do understand the uproar about it in one context that it was a manchester united player doing any other player than any other team wouldn't be getting the backlash that we're getting but i i i'd say continue as is i love anthony i think he's a fantastic player he's very raw uh, there's a long way to go for him but i do see um, a lot of potential in him, and and he looks like a very raw Ronaldo. When when he came in and played his first game against Bolton, he was doing all these tricks and stuff like that. And you know now look at the guy. I you know I know now he's on he's on the way down, but it's twenty years later or so. You know, Carnaccio, um, what a player! Um, again, not the finished article, but a perfect perfect game for him to get his debut wins. A team that he could run at, and he was. To, to just jump ahead to the West Ham game uh, yesterday, he was the type of player that we were missing on that side yesterday. You know, Alanga was just, I, I'm not sure what was up with him at, at, in that game Yes, but it, I think actually deserved the starting spot in yesterday's game on his performance uh, against Sheriff to the night. But Manchester United have always been built on wingers, um, and we've got potentially two really, really, really good wingers because, again, they're very early in their careers, but. You go, you go to a game to be entertained, and what Anthony did do the night, we were there. Everyone cheered and laughed and clapped. It was yeah, the disappointing thing that you know we passed the ball and it didn't make it to the to the to the forward. But if I hadn't made it, let's just let's just ask that question: mate. if I had it been one foot in rather than one foot out, we'd be sitting here going, we have a start on our hands, and um, but we're not, you know, because we're Manchester United, we tend to be. You know, beaten down a lot more when we when we do the extraordinary, and and that was just I loved it. Long may it continue. That's what I say. And Garnaccio, I think he's a big, big prospect for the future. Now, of course, we've been down this road before, with a uh, with a few players on the wing. out uh, to name one, um, but I think this Garnaccio guy. I think Ten Hag is is doing the right thing with him. He's just gonna he's just gonna feed him into that team uh, against opposition that he knows he can take a run at. I think. I do think he deserved the spot yesterday against West Ham, but I also understand why Tim Hag didn't put him in there. It was gonna be a tough game, it was gonna be a tough battle. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm really excited about those two wingers, especially Anthony. I think he's an absolutely phenomenal talent.
3: Yeah, a couple of comments in. Lee Lawrence, former United defender, look at that, we get United players on the show and I'm watching as well. Uh Obi Well Lee, he said, Morning lads, as a defender, I would have tried to put him in OZ, but as a United fan, I love the spin. I agree with Paul. Paul. Football has lost its identity needs more characters playing with confidence and flair. Well, that's definitely Anthony, isn't it? Ben says, Wide players running at defenders, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I love the excitement of not knowing what will happen when Anthony and Garnacho get the ball. Yeah, and yeah, it's funny because... That's it, talking... that's the one.
1: That's, sorry, yeah. sorry to put him in. That's, that's exactly the answer, you know? We yeah. just don't know what we're going to get from Anthony, uh, especially Anthony. You know, you don't know what he's going to do. And doesn't isn't that what gets you excited and gets you up off your seat?
3: Yeah, it is, and... And that's as a football fan. We're talking as Manchester um, United-related fans and and former players. So, you know, we're talking about the identity of our club. But it is kind of like an inherent thing about football as well. I would talk about West Ham, which was... uh, Yeah, entertaining might be a strong word for it. So, decided by a goal from Rashford in the first half. It's very weird because it seemed like the the script was flipped a little bit. You expect to see United controlling a game at Old Trafford and then then the opposition are going to have moments... I felt like I watched a game where West Ham controlled the actual the, the the pattern of the play, but United had the moments, and you know I felt West Ham were deserving of a draw. I didn't think that until the last ten minutes because I think in football you get what you put in. You know you generally get out of it what you put in, not always, but the rule is there. But then they created two massive chances in the last ten minutes. Um, Rice for the second time <laughs> this year playing really well at Old Trafford. And the game really decided on two moments, quality three moments. You could say two of those, the Hayes saves, which were incredible. I know there was one to the right and one to the left. So you and I, Dave, sat both sides of that goal, we would have got a great view of either of those saves. The last one, one of the best saves we've ever seen live. It was incredible. Um, but the, the moment of quality that decided it in the attacking sense and actually decided the result in the game was the cross from Ericsson on the bounce, on the half volley, and is it a peach of a cross. Rashford doing something we don't always see, but we saw it against Sheriff and we saw it um yesterday was attacking actually attacking the ball with authority with the head. You know, you don't normally see that from many centre forwards these days. Kane maybe's one. You don't really see an attacker like bossing it in the air like that. Um and there was no moment in history it's his hundredth goal for the club 85 years to the day of an academy product and all that sort of stuff uh, we'll get to that in a minute uh paul a, a very mixed game united you know not great but they got the result and i mean i don't know I mean, i'm impressed in one aspect that in, in recent years, after a good run of form, that's the kind of game where we would have slipped up and got a draw from. So they showed good mental strength to get through. We'll talk about Maguire. We'll talk about some of the other individual aspects in a moment. In the game itself, um, what did you make of it? United, good value for the win, or do you think they got away with one
0: there? I think they, they got away with it, to be perfectly honest. I have to say that. There was moments when you saw yourself and they did have a little bit of control of the midfield, but after the performances against Spurs and Chelsea... And then you think right, they've they've hit they've got something going. The game against Sheriff was really they didn't really need that to be, that time to get in between it kind of changed the dynamics a bit. Yes, he brought Ganacho in. He had to he made a, tweaked it a bit, and you come to that game again and there wasn't the same tempo. And when I you when I talk about the tempo, I mean the tempo of Manchester United has changed because since it's been a different back four. The balls moved quicker from the back, and um, I think we saw and we understand the reason why that didn't happen and that affected the midfield because the ball wasn't moved quick enough, and I watch enough of West Ham already, as you know Wayne, and so I know him as maybe this season and last season yeah. as well yeah. as what I know United, I know the individual players very well as well and if you play against West Ham and I've seen teams come to um London Stadium and they just lift the tempo and they dominate West Ham. Absolutely dominating. So many times I've seen West Ham could have been could have been by half time two or three nil down. And then second half they wake up. It was deja vu a little bit initially how that game started, but they allowed West Ham to get hold of the ball a little bit and pass it. And um, Ben Rahm had one of his best games for Manchester United. Manchester United. Sorry for West Ham United. they have got to stop this United things doing me, at him. Um But it's, Ben Rahm has always been about his end product. That's the bit of David Moyes. David Moyes, for David Moyes to love an individual, for like Ben Rama takes a lot. Because David, he love, he just loves. He loves to be assured of what his players can and won't do. But Ben Rama, he's got that little something liking for him, and it's just a bit at the end that always, he always talks about. So they allow them to get, to get too much and create too much, especially in the second half. And and you look at it where it come from, and it. It just come from this allowing West Ham to get everyone back and it become a little bit tedious, especially in that first half and some of the second half. And I might jump forward a little bit. The substitutions were poor substitutions. Yeah. He virtually said, I'm going to try and shut up shop and then bringing on Scott McTominay instead of Fred was a poor decision because the tempo got even slower. And the moment Fred come on, then it changed a bit and it went a little bit... United started being a little bit quicker the problem was is that as much as they were sharper West Ham suddenly stepped forward and were creating more opportunities and United looked very very vulnerable on on the side where on and Maguire were they looked very vulnerable on that side defensively especially early on in the first half
3: yeah uh, david's really good point about the substitutions and and the, it was curious i mean we've talked um in quite a a deep and meaningful way as on, on this podcast across all the podcasts that we do on the channel where we like praised um nearly every single decision that ten Hag's made we've talked about all of the substitutions all of the signings all of the team selections and everything like that and they have generally been let me say 100 percent of all being correct but you can understand the reason why he's done most of them you can sort of understand that he did it to try and close out the game yesterday but you would have hoped that he'd seen enough of the players to understand the problems that you're doing when you bring those players in. And I'm not, not criticising them as players. What I'm, I'm saying is, if you're bringing on McTominay and Fred in a game like that, what you really want is to um, hold the ball. You need to hold the ball when you've got it and see the game out. And we, you just, we had Casemiro had good at that, but you took Ericsson off who was good at it. You've got Fernandez on who's going to take chances. Ronaldo's not... Really, going to keep hold of the ball for you. So, we've got all of these players who are not really good at ball retention. You've got maybe two or three players on the pitch who are, you know, like Martinez in a good position is, Ericsson, when he was on, obviously is, and Casemiro. But apart from that, you don't have a team great at ball retention exactly when you need it to close out a game. And it seemed to create more problems for us in that last 10 minutes than it, you know, it, it seemed a bizarre, um, a bizarre decision to make the subs that he made. But um, what, what did you make of the game?
1: <coughs> well, <coughs> I'm, I'm, <coughs> excuse me. I don't really want to uh, have, a, have a go at uh, Maguire um, because I think he made some really good last-ditch tackles in the last 10-15 minutes um, of the game yesterday. But that said, uh, Paul had said it earlier on as well, it, a distribution from the back was really poor yesterday, really, really poor. And I'm not sure why Harry McGuire still seems to get a place in the team when there's when there's an injury. I would have went straight for Lindelof. I think his distribution is far better. I think Harry Lindelof, Mc...
3: Lindelof was ill yesterday, so I think that's why. Oh, okay, so he wasn't on the bench either. Oh, okay, I'm sorry.
1: Um, McGuire just for me, just he there's there's a lack of confidence in the rest of the team when he plays, and and you can clearly see that um we spent most of most of our first half knocking the ball backwards um you know it, it was bizarre it was bizarre considering and, and i don't want you know sheriff was a different proposition because they set back uh, but in recent games you know that hasn't been that hasn't been the case and it's clear that that mcguire brings a completely different uh way of playing when when he does play we only just seem to go backwards there was a time where we were knocking the ball amongst ourselves at the back uh, for a good 10, 15, 20 seconds as if we were trying to play down the clock and winning 4-0. Um, that wasn't the case. We are trying to win a game here. There was no outlets. There was no one running for the balls. It was it was very bizarre from the other night and even from the past previous weeks. Uh, the substitutions, I, I I don't understand why he brought on McTominay. I really don't. I don't understand why he took off Ericsson. Uh, It was just one of these. It was one of those games where I was very confused about the substitutions, if I'm honest. And I think Fred did bring a little bit something. I mean, he hit the post with a header. You know, it it was a very bizarre day. But what I will say is that it's it's refreshing that after such you know of many years of of being the last game at the weekend, all our rivals around us dropping points, we never seemed to capitalise on that. Yesterday was was the big bonus on that. Three points is great, but. To, to capitalize on it when teams around us drop points that's been a long time coming um and it, it felt like an even bigger victory because of that and, i mean the, the game was by no means a classic uh, but i think i think overall we we did deserve to win and i know you and i had a conversation at the end and you said that a draw would have been a fair result i didn't think that way i thought west ham you know didn't really offer much i thought they were time wasting from the very first minute you know they were constantly going down the goalkeeper was constantly running from one side of the pitch to the other to decide where he's going to go. They were there for the point. That's all, and um, they nearly got it in the end. You know, with the uh, his two saves were just out of this world. There was actually a tournament where it was hit right down the middle as well, and he knocked it over. Um, but it was absolutely it was it was a good performance. Yes, not the greatest, um, but I do you know I, I agree with Paul one hundred percent. Their back four was just it, it was just lackluster it, there was no ideas and that's why we've been building and it did affect the midfield and then it does affect your forward line so um hopefully Boran is back hopefully linda back even quicker and uh, like i said i don't want to i don't want to have a go at harry Maguire, but i just think that we we were very shaky when he's in the team and i think i think it has an effect on the rest of the back four when he plays unfortunately
0: yeah
3: um i'm gonna come to this Point made by Ben and also tied into um, my assessment of Maguire. We were just talking about it before we came on air, and it, I'm seeing a lot of sort of split opinion about his performance. He's been praised for his contribution. You know, the, the editors at the end, you know, there were three or four that he dealt with with some authority, there was the block. In, in the live heat of the moment, I felt it was a block that was actually going towards the goal. I thought it was a, a near own goal, but it turns out he, on the rewatch that it was a, an excellent block. Now, not in terms of defending, it was his body positioning that got the block in. You know, it's not like he, he went out there and made a tackle. His position was good and the ball diverted to, to um, a better place. But... It is, this point made by Ben, is it always a bad choice to be more defensive, Paul? I know it's accepted wisdom in football, but what if the team are good at it? And this is what we were talking about before. It is good what he did in the last 10, 15 minutes. He did defend with some authority. But when that has come at the cost of the fact that the slowness and the labouring of the play for the previous 75, you know, we could have, I'm not saying we would have easily been two or three goals up, but it's kind of like, and I, w- I was trying to make the point before. It's a, it's a difficult point to articulate, but like Ronaldo's last-minute goals last season, it was great because it was Ronaldo scoring a last-minute goal, but if you'd not played Ronaldo and you'd had a, a, a more free-flowing forward line, you might have won that game to a 3-0 without having to uh, need the last-minute winner. And that's kind of where I am with Maguire. Yes, he was great at the end, but it, it kind of created problems before that. So... um what do you make of what Ben said there? Is it is it a bad choice to be more defensive in in the moment in which Ten Hag chose to do it?
0: I don't know. United have never ever, if a manager ever decided to come United to, to to be defensive minded, then you know, then he wouldn't last long. He wouldn't last long. The fans just wouldn't would never accept that. But I don't think Ten Hag actually set out in that manner. And you said something when we was talking off air um, about this, Wayne, and. It's about the way you have to play if you're playing for Harry Harry Maguire. He sits back, he sits back deep, and he will defend the D at the top of the box. Um, we've seen that so many times. And there was a point when West Ham got in on the right hand side. I think it was Jared. It's near the end, last 10.50 minutes. Jared Bowen has made a run. It should have been delivered by um by Keira. Should have delivered the ball to him early. He didn't. Jared Bowen has stopped thinking. Moment gone. By the time he's Turn around about to give Kerr a verbal, but he's not the ball. So he's turned and run again, and he should never have got it because maybe Luke Shaw should have maybe seen it, but he's gone for it. Everyone's arms gone up. I'm thinking he's offside. Yeah. He wasn't. So when I see the replay, Harry Maguire is behind the other three. So he plays him on from the other side, on the other side at right centre half. So it allows Gerald Bowen to get in and put. I don't know what the end product was in the end, but it was a great opportunity to knock a ball in behind behind um the defence. Now you've mentioned you've mentioned it. David's mentioned it as well. Harry Maguire was quite solid, and people talk about the last half an hour. Everything transpired because of how deep he started. If you put Harry Maguire into a lesser side of Manchester United, or drop him a, a lesser side in the Premier League, and drop him a division he'd be a great centre-half because he'll sit deep and he'll block, he'll fight, he'll win all the big headers when team, when teams are playing desperate football, trying to nick, nick it, and he'll walk off and he'll get plaudits. Now, when I was defending for Fulham and for QPR, we was like that a lot. So everything I'd done was bang. I was constantly defending all the time, big games. And games. Was all, but then when you step, when I stepped up and come to Manchester United, it changed. I wasn't constantly under this barrage of teams coming forward having to make, you know, saving tackles, last-ditch tackles. If you play for top teams, any top team in that, in that manner, you're, you're looking to win trophies. You don't really get that many opportunities to make those kind of last-ditch challenges. They're few and far between, and people can know them straight away. Harry Maguire is still defending like he was at Hull, still defending like he was at Leicester City for Manchester United. That heart, that reminded me of it. It's like everyone talked about his performances for England. England were last ditch 2018. He was he was like called a colossus in that, and that tells you it was all last ditch, and it started that way. It become that way because. As mentioned, we laboured. So we allowed West Ham pushed up. David Moyes knew and pushed up and tried to win the ball higher up because they were sitting so deep when they passed the ball. Varane yeah. plays, Lindelof play, The ball's given to them. They, they sprint. They have a little burst, five, six, seven, eight yards. Yeah. And then to see what happens in front of them. See if they create something because they've attacked a the space at an angle. And then they stop. And if there's no, no space created, they change the angle. Harry Maguire gets the ball. He's he's dribbles slowly, slowly, slowly. All closes up. He's going back. So you. So what he's doing is creating problems. And if we're just talking about him defending last line and great blocks, great this. It's not Manchester United as I know Manchester United. There's those games when you played Liverpool, maybe Man City now, maybe Arsenal's and and that. But those, but it shouldn't really be happening against a West Ham. The game should have been dead and buried, and then West Ham are just doing it because they've got to show something for their fans because they've travelled two hundred and twenty miles up the motorway.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's so interesting.
1: Wayne, <coughs> I got a question for Paul if you don't mind on on that, because um, he said that that at Fulham and at QPR that's how we defended when he came to Manchester United. that he had to change. Um, so the question is, is is, is it a is it a personal thing that he has to change himself? I mean, did Ferguson tell you how to change, or did you realise that hey, this is different here? I've got to change my game. Uh, the question really is, is
0: this on Harry Maguire to do this, or is it on the coach to make him do it? I would say it's more on him. I I had to change. I suddenly realised I couldn't defend how I defended before because there wasn't no, there wasn't no what there wasn't really nowhere near the intensity of the defending I had to do. I wasn't up against. I would come from being playing four years as a centre half and then come to play right back again. I had to learn to become a fullback. There wasn't anyone really going up against me because there was always more concerned about Andre. So there was doubling back Andre. I had to learn to play as a fullback with a ball at my feet. Everything I'd done before, when I come to old traffic and everything, I played as a centre half and I was more comfortable with everything around me. I could see everything. I suddenly had to play in a corridor. And my, and my games, dynamics of my game changed. So I had to change from being a constant defender of blocking, man-marking people, getting close, attacking the ball, you know, win at all costs. I had to change. And my game, I had to concentrate more. So physically, mentally, so physically and mentally, my game changed. So my first season at United, I had my first bout of injury problems. I never really had an injury problem as such. I got a hamstring, hamstring problem I never had a hamstring problem in my life before I joined Manchester United because of the games were a different intensity. You was going away from home. Teams were just hitting you. They want to beat you so they can have a celebration in the dressing room. You come home, you play at home, and teams just sat back. So I had to concentrate a bit more because I was suddenly getting a lot of the ball and, and I wasn't used to playing in that way. Harry Maguire's been there long enough now. He should know it. I think Ten Hag does know it. His, uh, his his post match was very was very very good. I think he was they was trying to lead him to make decisions and say something so they could talk about it, write about it. But he said everything very pro Harry Maguire. But he knows in his mind. He knows in his mind. He knows, and I think everyone out there knows that everything's United's strength has been since Ten Hag has come is because the intensity from the back line, which. Yeah. Which then transfers to the midfield and being a great mid the midfielders now better person better personnel in there now to shift the ball and see things. Cause Casemiro's passing in the first half was excellent. The way he was just passing through. And then the front line is where at the moment that one area where can be really not Maybe not tweaked as much because there isn't a window to buy, but it can be still tweaked from within. And that's the area which I think everybody was saying, I'm, I think you two would agree with me, is where we're lacking at the moment, where yeah. people are juggling at the moment to who should be playing. Which three? At the moment, Rashford has made a slot for himself. Definitely Anthony has made a slot for himself. The question is that other slot. Is it going to be someone to play in the middle or is it going to be Rashford in the middle and someone is going to show more consistency in the wide area? That's the bit that everyone would be juggling about at this moment in time. Everyone knows what they want to see at back four. Everyone knows the players they want to see in midfield in more games in more games than any other game. They want to see a more regular up front is where people will juggle. So mm-hmm. it's either going to be Rashford in the middle or it's going to be Ronaldo. There's a lot of um As I said, I think I said it before, there's too much, too many supporters. They're supposed to be United fans, but they're supporting Ronaldo rather than supporting the team, which is a big worry.
3: What I really find fascinating, and this conversation is going to, not this particular one, but the theme of the conversation will probably continue for a couple of years, is Ten Hag's obviously got a very defined, very clear, defined way that he wants to play. And then you've got the strength of the personalities within that the club, do you know what I mean? And how they contrast or, or you know, like Maguire, like you've said in, in such detail there, Paul, he's such a distinct personality in terms of playing profile and how that contrasts with what United are trying to do. And you could say the same for Ronaldo, you could say the same for Fernandes really in, in a certain way that he, he fits the profile of what you want to see from a United player in terms of the risk that he takes and the entertainment that he brings. But does he really fit the overall kind of thing that, that Ten Hag's trying to do with the fluidity of the midfield. It's those kind of... Um, from, from a supporter perspective of someone who enjoys the sort of problem-fixing aspects of it, it's really one of the most compelling aspects of what we're seeing with Ten Hag. Um, just on a more positive aspect of the defence, because there's certainly some aspects to talk well, um, about. So we've got some comments in here. I don't want to gloss over completely <coughs> Martinez because Martinez was outstanding. There's no mixed... Um, feelings about that. He's been outstanding for weeks, so we're going to give him his full credit there. Um, ben says, it'll be interesting to see which players in the squad survive the cull, which will be coming. I don't think Maguire will make it, but someone like Dallow has surprised me and that brings me on to the point made by Lee here. I'd like to ask you all, especially Paul, your opinions on Dallow. I openly Um, criticised him last season even went as far as saying I wouldn't put him in the reserves I can remember that podcast Um, for me he's been fantastic what factors do you think have brought this change around and it's true Paul I mean we'll come to you first obviously member of the fullbacks union Um, Dallow has played every single game under the manager he's made himself undroppable and it I don't know what's um, prompted the change. Is it that faith? I mean, his form's been a lot better. Is remember remembering being cut out defensively? You're not seeing that as often this time round. I mean, I still have my... If, I, if there's one comment I'm going to make on him. It's, I still have a slight reservation and tenog kind of into interd- that in his post-match. You, you need two good fullbacks on each side, which was a bit of a damning blow for wan Basaka and I think maybe a little bit of a cruel blow because we know he's a fantastic defender. Um, maybe not a fullback like we've been talking about profiles of players. A fullback cut out to be in a United side like this certainly not one who's going to play in the midfield area that Dallo occupies. Um, but what is it? Is it just that Dallo's better at doing that than wan Saka that has given him this this free run to have a, you know start every single game this season?
0: I think what Lee said is that I mean I, I'm exactly the same. I, I I'd be quite happy to eat humble pie about him. That happens as you get old, you, you you do actually accept things and you're willing to actually say it and apologize. And I wouldn't exactly the same. But the one thing that Lee said, which I never said, I never said about putting him in the reserves. I think that's that's terrible. What a thing you can say about a player. But um <laughs> Um but I think if I'd have thought about it, there's a good chance I would have said it if I'd have been on a rant or something. But my rants are never as good as your rants, by the way, Wayne. But um <laughs> That from is absolutely incredible. And I would say it's about the managers who he played under previous didn't like him, didn't trust him. Um, maybe the the, the price and maybe what he cost of 50 million for Wan-Pasaka, people felt they should play him; they can get more out of him. You look at him, you think he's defending, you think you can build something more. But he's come in 10-halves and he's just gone bang. He's done it straight away. He hasn't entertained it initially. And then... And then made a change. He's gone, no, this is what I'm going to go and do. And you look at what fullbacks are doing now, and thank God I stopped playing now, is that fullbacks now, as you mentioned about Dello, he steps in the midfield and he steps, sometimes he pops up in central midfield. You know, which you've seen a lot of lot of fallbacks now doing that. I mean, Zinchenko does it for Arsenal. Arsenal fans love him, but the only problem is he can't stay fit. He goes in central midfield, and he's maybe better than what Arsenal have got in central midfield. But he, they play in that fashion. They try it with Tierney, and it ends up like, he ends up a nightmare. Ends up like the wrong the wrong things in the circus ring. Um, but defensively, his positional sense is a lot better. You can see by the way he's playing. He's absolutely loving his work just by what every time he makes a challenge even though sometimes I cringe when I see the high fives I'm not sure about that because football's got a funny way of throwing egg on your face make a saving challenge someone come up and say well done but high fives and all of a sudden the saving challenge puts out for a corner corner comes in bang you can football can do that to you sometimes but you can't you don't want to take anything away from him because you think so a are the bits that keep him going. It's even built in him now that when some, when someone does something well, when one of his fellow defenders, including the goalkeeper, does something well, he's there and he wants to let them know that he's proud of them. You see it after the game, you see him and Martinez, Marti, Martinez, whatever way you want to say it, the way they are, there's something there's something between the three of them. Something has been built between the three of them. Varane was there doing that as well. Luke Shaw Hasn't been really invited into the party yet at this moment in time. But Luke, Luke Shaw at the moment is showing is showing good things. Yeah. The hardest thing, as I always say about Luke Shaw, we always got, you've got to take it game by game because it can flip just like that. Everything about Luke Shaw, he's in control of. He's con- in control of his own destiny. I still think he's got to pull his socks up. He's got to pull his shorts. He can't have socks down. He looks like he looks like the smartest tramp in the world at this moment in time, wearing brand-new gear. Looks terrible. Um, I don't think the man upstairs watching from the director's box would be too pleased with it, by the way. If, like that. He was always concerned that we always had our sh- if shirts were outside the tops. He didn't like shirts outside of shorts. Only one player could do that, and that was Eric. Um, and he'll tell us that Eric would look look better than what we did. That's why he could do it. Oh. <laughs> and and that's a fact by the way but Luke Shaw is doing absolutely fantastic you can see it when he gets forward you can still see sometimes when he's lazy defending he doesn't want to run back sometimes and he blocks people too many silly bookings but everything is is right with Dallow at this moment in time you look at his performances and because he's maybe not assisting if he was assisting then everyone would rave about him. But no one raves about him because of his defending. So, as a fullback, you have to assist or score goals and they'll talk about you. But when you're doing your job properly, people don't want to talk about you. I don't know. That's some, for me, that's something wrong. And that's when I actually renew my union card for the fullbacks and say, why isn't he getting more pats on the back outside of Manchester? Because his performance is as good as any right back in the division. And it's. And it's better than the right back forty miles up the road. But they'll yeah. talk about him when he puts one crossing that someone heads in every six, every six seven games. That's that's well beaten, but not defending.
3: Um, Dave, just for expediency of of the pod, um, I don't think you can improve on what Paul said about Dallo. So I'm going to come to you with a different comment in um, from Patrick's question about um, Bruno Fernandes. Do you feel he's become less? This is Patrick's question, by the way. Has he become less productive in terms of stats, in terms of what the fans are sort of seeing and Sky Sports going on about? I guess he's talking about goals and assists, but more effective for the team under Ten Hag. Do you think that's a fair observation?
1: I think it's a cracking question, and it is a really good observation. Um, you know, Bruno Fernandez has definitely changed this game under Ten Hag. Uh, I mean, I love Bruno Fernandez. He's one of the few players in the league. That will constantly try to make things happen. Um, he's he's one of the very very few players at Manchester United, outside of Eriksen and now Casemiro, that will try that killer pass. Uh, he got criticised for it, you know, uh, last year. I mean, but because he'll make he'll make two hundred passes, one hundred eighty nine of them will come off. Uh, he gets criticised for the eleven that didn't. Um, but I think it's a great question and it's a great assessment. Yes, his his even though his his goal stats and you know his uh, assist stats have gone down. I think he's become more of a team player uh, than an individual uh, contributor, which he was for the past couple of the seasons. Um, it, it's, it's you know, it's something that we're probably going to have to get used to. And it's it's something that's conflicted me as well, because I'm like, I'm expecting him to just keep zipping those balls all across the park. But we now have two other players that are doing that, Casemiro and um, uh, Ericsson. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's a great observation. I do believe that we are we are in a better position with this new and improved Fernandez than, than the one from last year because sometimes we did get into a little bit of trouble with him. Um, but I, I always loved him because he, he was always trying something always, always, always trying something. Uh, and especially in games when it was a very drab passing around the back four, we give it to him when you try like a Hollywood passer, uh, but he, he's definitely, he's, The Bruno Fernandes this season is better for the team than the Bruno Fernandes for last season. It's probably the best way to answer that.
3: Yeah. Um, Some other comments. uh, Well, one comment from Lee. This is great. Lee, I hope you're going to talk about this on Friday's podcast. He says, I remember Ferguson dropping Cleberson down to the reserve side. Then he pulled his socks up, ran the show, and he was back to the first team after that. It was brutal back then. Yeah, well, Fergie didn't pull any punches, that's for sure. Um, one little note before we move on to talk about the Sociedad game. Marcus Rashford, 100 goals for Manchester United, um, six, seven years in the first team, really good uh, record. And, you know, if he stays at United for all his career, you know, you could see that record of Rooney's um, in his hands. I don't know. Rooney congratulated him on it on, on social media. So that's 85 years to the day of an Academy product in every match day squad. The Academy had been going for a few years before that. I just want to have a quick note because, you know, United have acknowledged that. They've put it out there. You know, they're celebrating the 85 years. But that's only known to them thanks to Tony Park, who was a historian, and he did all the work for for his book, Sons of United, and uncovered that. He did the, he did the tracing of it. And it's people like Tony who go to that, effort to do that research and put it on record you know imagine not knowing that imagine the club not knowing it because they hadn't done their own um work on it you know i don't know like people have got all kinds of different work to to do so i'm not criticizing them for for not knowing it i'm just saying the value of what tony brung with that because it's such an important thing um for for everyone to know about the club and to know why it's important and to know how far that that goes back, and it makes the things like what Rashford scoring his hundredth goal yesterday it makes it more significant because it, you know it's like Fergie, as Fergie once told me. He's had more conversations with Paul, and we'll get to some of those in a little while. But the one conversation I had with him, um, he said, "If you know um, your past, you're going to know your future. You know, up oh, to know you, to know your future, you have to know your history." Um, And that's especially true of a club like United. It's what makes us so special. So, um, yeah, Rashford definitely makes time for him, but he seems to be improving. You've got to, you know, acknowledge that improvement as we have done um, and hope for better days to come. And, you know, on on a day like yesterday, for Marcus Rashford to score the winning goal, um, it means more because of that. And it's just a fantastic thing. Um, Anyway, let's move on to Sociedad. Paul... Manchester United need to win by two goals to avoid um, any kind of qualification um, knockout. And I don't even know the permutations of that. Who we would go on to possibly face in a playoff to to continue in the competition. Uh, you're a big um, fan of wanting a big, good performance before you go into a game like this where you need a result. You, obviously, we didn't get... The, the performance we got a decent result yesterday because we, we came through it. There's a good bond within the squad. Does that compensate for the for the whole performance? You, can you see United going to Spain and winning by two?
0: Well you have to look at it. I mean I think they got beat two 0 as well, didn't they, at home um So should I, I think they did, if I'm right, writing... did I see that or was that a score yeah. as? And it they... up differently. I don't know,
3: I'll just check yeah. that
0: out. They played, they played, I think they played a late game yesterday. And I think I saw 2 nil up, there were 2 nil behinds, or they'd lost 2 nil. So, you know, so you look at them, but you wonder what kind of team they, they put to... up. Put... You're right. Yeah.
3: You're
0: right. So, um but it's always nice to go with a, a good performance behind you. United haven't got that. The biggest concern for me would be, again, the creativity, because they'd be up against a better team than West Ham. Um be up against a more clinical team than West Ham. So creativity is going to be a problem to create opportunities. And is he going to go there and play Ronaldo again? Because he's because he's he's opened the door on that one. And you know so I got asked yesterday when well, I was doing a commentary yesterday situation Ronaldo, will it go away? I said I said yeah it'll go away. I said but it'll go away because Ronaldo won't be at the football club. So anyway it can go away because of if he was to leave him out for another game, and he was sitting on the bench, and the same was maybe or close to what happened before, there's a good chance he would do exactly the same again. You know, he ain't going to be remorseful about what he's done, as far as he's concerned. He's he's correct in the ways he's um, conducting himself. So, is he going to play him out a game in Spain and use his experience of playing in Spanish football for a number of years, playing against that team for a number of times, hoping that he can score goals and? And that's the thing, to go and win a game 2-0, they they haven't done that enough or shown en- enough that they can go and win a game by t- by two clear goals. That, that is the problem, I find. And there's always going to be, you know, worried about what's going on in the back as well. I, I, you know If he's going to go, if Victor Lindelof says, if Victor Lindelof is fit to train today, is he going to come straight back in? <clears throat> I know what I would do, but is he going to go and do that? Because, again, does he want to create more you know, more stories by leaving out Harry Maguire because that would open a door if he's leaving out. I think there was an opportunity to leave out for Harry Maguire to play, but leave Bruno with a captaincy. I think there was an opportunity for him to do that, even though I'm not sure about Bruno as a captain, but still there was an opportunity to do to do that one. And there couldn't have been a lot said, but to give it back to him, it starts another problem. So the game is it's a it's a real Difficult one to call this one. I mean, United to win, you think, or get something, you'll say there's got to be a chance. But to put in that position of having to go and win by two clear goals to avoid a team that's coming out of the Champions League, you know, is a bit of concern. But we have to say is that team, some of the teams that have come out of the Champions League, some, some big ones have come out, but I wouldn't want, you know, if there's nothing that you would suddenly go, then I mean, that's going to be a major problem.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one to call. Uh, ben says, I wasn't very impressed by Social Dad at Old Trafford. They got very lucky with a dodgy penalty, but we don't have the best record in Spain, so I don't know how this will go. I don't want to just make this all about Harry Maguire, but it does feel, Dave, like that's a crucial selection in the way that United can embrace the challenges in front of them, because with Maguire, they're automatically saying, we're starting 15 yards deeper, and it's kind of like we can't afford to do that in this kind of game.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, Paul put it so brilliantly earlier on when he was explaining about how how we play with Harry Maguire versus versus on Harry Maguire, you know, he just he takes five, six, ten little small steps, and all of a sudden the midfield just closes in, and then he has to go backwards. With on it's completely completely different. It's like sprint, pass the ball, let's get it moving. That's my concern on 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 Thursday night. Is is going back to that football um it was a concern for me yesterday about 10 15 minutes in um, and I could hear that you know the disgruntlement around Old Trafford every time he got the ball and it wasn't I'm not a, a you know you know I mean, I'm not a supporter that would boo one of our own fans but I could understand the disgruntlement because every time we got it it was let's run backwards let's run sideways let's do everything so slow it closes down we have to win this game by two clear goals and um, we don't have time for this slow build-up we got to hit them and we got to hit them hard that's why I would you know, I would go with Lindelof on on Thursday, but you know as Paul said he's, he's opened up that door for McGuire now again you know he could have made a statement that uh, you know by, by not I suppose it would have been a difficult one for him to to keep Fernandez as captain because officially Harry McGuire is club captain and um, but I understand what what Paul's saying is that if you want to make a statement about Harry McGuire you've got to you got to just be ruthless and do it um the one thing I will say is, though, even though we don't have a great record in Spain, Ten Hag has an absolutely phenomenal array record in in Europe uh, with Ajax, and also you know Manchester United we haven't done too bad either. Uh, so I'm very confident about about Thursday night. And when I say that, we'll probably get smashed for it now. Um, but I am confident that we can get a result there. Whether we get it by two clear goals, I'm not so sure. Um, it it is a concern going into that knockout stage with some of those teams that are coming from the Champions League. Um, I, I'm not over familiar with the rules, but I, I believe it's just a free for all. You know, we could get Barcelona, we could get Juventus, we could get any of those teams. And at the end of the day, even though they struggled in the Champions League, it's still Barcelona, it's still Juve, it's still Atletico. Atletico is a team that I would definitely like to avoid at all costs. It really is. They're just a dour, dour team. You know, they they come and they just smother everyone, and then they make a goal. And um, if we're going to be built to attack, we're going to suffer. But I'm confident about about Thursday night. Am I confident about winning by two clear goals? I think a lot of it comes down to that centre-back selection, uh, whether it's going to be a fast-moving game or a slow-moving one. because a slow-moving one, 90 minutes is not going to be enough to to, to get two goals with Harry McGuire in the team. And I don't want to keep bashing him, and I'm not. I'm just stating facts. I just think we have a completely different dynamic when he's in it. Um, It's a much slower pace, and we just don't need that. Uh, Up front, uh, yeah, he has he has created a problem again by by selecting Ronaldo. But I'm I'm not sure he had much of. It. Well, he could have went with you know he could have went with Sancho yesterday and and Rashford up front and um, I don't know. I, I think Ronaldo's stays unnumbered. I think January could be the time when he when he does move on. Um, but I'm, I'm like I said back to the game. I'm very confident. I'm i confident of going there with with ten Hags record in, in away games in Europe. And um, I'm very very confident.
3: More confident than me then. I think it's it's the idea of the two goals, do you know what I mean? And United traditionally do it the hard way. So you know you know that, that means we're conceding a goal in the first five minutes. Not that but we bring hard.
1: back do we do we rank Ali for one game, maybe, you know, uh, for that one night in Paris, you know, one night in Sociedad maybe? I don't know.
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not being critical. Paul, it's just that sometimes you did put us through the ringer. You know, we enjoyed the ride, but sometimes it was like, <laughs> I am remembering all them specifically. Um, <laughs> we were put through the ringer sometimes. Um, white knuckle ride following Manchester United. Um, so after Dad, no matter what happens, we're playing Aston Villa in the league, um, playing them at Villa Park. I remember playing them at Old Trafford earlier in the year. And Gerard coming, it, coming out giving it the big one to Stretford and we're not even going to get a chance to get another goal at him because he's been sacked um, Unai Emery who's got a good record against United um, you know they, they won 4-0 against Brentford they lost by the same score in Newcastle so you just don't know what you're going to get with this Aston Villa side one thing that you're going to get with the United Paul is no Bruno Fernandes I know you've We've had mixed opinions on him. I know that you spoke about his recent improvement as well, but I, it could be somewhat of an opportunity to see how the midfield plays without him, couldn't it? I mean, what do you expect to see down there?
0: Um, Yes, it's a great opportunity. I, I'm hoping that he, he'll bring Fred in and he'll play He'll play Fred. I really hope he does that because Fred, has, when he's come on, you could see, I mean, He's a really good player. Plays so well for his national team's plays. Played a hell of a lot of times with Casemiro. They play together. You think so that's that's the perfect fit if they can play together for Brazil. And I think a lot of people have, have gone personal at Fred when it wasn't needed. He just needed to be told exactly what we told, really, what he's good at and what he's bad at. And you see him what he's doing now. He's playing one or two touches. He's getting him in the header he got in, as mentioned earlier, by Dave. I mean, he got. he was a great header, and it was a run. We never used to see Fred go into the box. He yeah. used to be jittery, but now he's, he's so much more positive. And if he was the first substitution yesterday, I would have understood that more. But he wasn't. So it made United more static. Then he he had to bring him on in the end to get a little bit more life and legs in that midfield. So it didn't make much sense. So I'm hoping that he goes with Fred. With going back to... Um, Going back to Fernandes, yes, I've been very critical, but again, his games against Tottenham and Chelsea, were, his performance for him was very, very good. There were still good. his moments, and you still see it when he goes down, and if someone touches him and he goes down, and you think to yourself, just keep your mouth shut, just don't don't go on and on and on, because you're, you're grating everybody by what you do and your reactions. But it's like quite ironic, really, that his best, his two best performances in, I might even lengthen it now, maybe 18 months was those two games. And ironically, Ronaldo wasn't playing.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was just thinking, I watched it last night, how many people keep looking to keep giving the ball to Ronaldo in goal scoring oh, wow. in position. They're looking for the crosses. Um, um, he had two opportunities, um, Radford, Radford, sorry, Rashford. One of them, he just, he just missed it ahead. The and then he done the identical one when he went and scored. And they were the kind of things that people are trying with Ronaldo. They keep trying to do that. And we've seen him score so many great headers. It was all Real Madrid when that's when he that's when he changed the position to a centre-forward. And his athleticism stood out then. It's not yeah. there now. So you can't get that because he tried one in the first half. And Luke Shaw tried to do it early, didn't do it. Then he's done it. And by then, he'd lost that momentum with that run. He was on a standing. But Rashford can do that.
2: Yeah,
0: He can do that. And I'm just, just thinking teams that... Fernandes was trying, to his compatriot, trying too hard. Bello does as well sometimes. Yeah. And I think there's this thing drawn into giving, to giving the ball. And maybe as well, the fact of maybe the captaincy with him yesterday as well, mostly he's playing on his mind. Because maybe he, you know, when he's got that captain's armband, he relishes that point. But captaining Ronaldo might be a little bit too difficult for him. I know it might, some people go, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It does. Yeah. It does when you've got someone there. It's like all of a sudden, I'm playing. I'm captain of Queen's Park Rangers. I come to Manchester United, and I'm playing. And people think, oh, yeah, he's been a captain. He should stand up. Do you honestly think that I'm going to shout and scream at Brian Robson? You know, <laughs> Someone who I played with for England at that time as well. No, I'm, of course I'm not. Am I going to shout and scream at Steve Bruce? No, I'm not. I'm respectful because they're senior players and they're big names. It doesn't happen. I just think on that side of it, and we're talking about a different mindset as well. Is that you think about Ronaldo's status in his homeland, yeah. and then you got Fernandez? You know, you're virtually, you're virtually, you know, you're 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 trying to demand something from royalty, which yeah. is a, which is difficult.
3: That's a really good point. It um, uh, is the article...
1: Sorry, the Portugal point is a great point that I, I never thought of that. You know, back home, Fernandez is, you know, with no disrespect to him, he's he's nothing in comparison to, to Ronaldo. So the, I, I think Ronaldo needs to uh, respect that and in the fact that, you know, shouting at the captain is not the greatest look in the world either. Um, but it is a great point that I never thought of is that Fernandes may have that mental block in his head that, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Ronaldo here, who is who's a god back home in Portugal. I'm, I'm, I'm not even on the same level. You know? It's something I never
3: thought of. Yeah, on that point though, Dave. I mean, he's never going to get dropped, and no, should he? Because he's still, you know, problems and all. He's still a good cog in that United side. Um So, on the basis that he's never going to get dropped, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's all a good thing that he's not in the side, but it's a good thing to have that opportunity to try something different with that midfield combination that we've got. I mean, yeah. Old Paul talks about Fred, even Van der Beek's now back from injury. You know, he could play, you know, be, I know, he's been out to pasture somewhat, but I mean, there's there's an opportunity to try a different combination that isn't McTominay and Fred, that it is Casemiro, Eriksen and another player.
1: Yeah, I mean, the obvious choice is, is Fred, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, Van der Beek, you know, he's, he's come back in from injury. It, it's not a game we really want to see if he can do something in. Because um, we need to win it, you know, by two clear goals. Uh, Fred, you know, I'll be there. No, okay. pretty...
3: Villa game, it's the Villa game.
1: Oh, I'm He's sorry, Villa game. I'm is... sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, same thing. Um, we still need to be there. We still need to be Villa, but only by one goal. Um, <laughs> Fred, Fred is Fred is the ideal uh, partner, I think, in there right now. Van der Beek's just too much of a risk right now. Too too much of an unknown uh, to bring in. Phil uh, is going to be obviously a very very tough away game. Um, it's it's the new manager's very first game. It's at home. That that place is going to be bouncing for him, you know. Um, but I would definitely choose Fred. Uh, like I said, it, it ticks all the right boxes. Uh, with, yeah. with you know the partnership with Casemiro, um, yeah, it, it's. And I thought I would never say this twelve months ago. It's Fred for me. Um,
3: yeah, a lot of humble pie being eaten on this. We could eat some pumpkin pie. Um, it's Halloween. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question about... I was going to ask what your scariest experience is, Dave, but obviously it's been on a podcast with me on Halloween. So, Paul, um, everyone will be dying to know this. What's the scariest that Sir Alex Ferguson has ever been or that you've ever
0: experienced? Uh, there's there's a couple of them. There's one of them which I've, well, I've, well, I've watched it. Um, but there's one of them which is actually directed at me, and I thought my I thought my time was going to be up, and it was just kick playing the um. We used to do little boxes at the cliff, you know. There was like the seniors or the like the first team players, and and there was the younger ones of obviously the Beckhams and the Neville's and them. And and what happened was is that Giggsy would go and join them. Just and we used to do this before. After a little warm up, we used to do the boxes. And then we'd just go into whatever sessions going to be set up. So we're in the boxes, and the boss used to join in, and the boss would would join in, and have his big his big Adidas coat on at that given time. I remember it because it was my my first season, and the boss would have his big coat on. And if he, and if anything, if he was walking around and we're talking was in Manchester, where it's slightly colder than London, he would have his big you know his hands in the pocket. And he'd walk like that. So the boss joins in. He had the bib in his hand. She so had to have a bib just to distinguish a little bit. Oozingwood was two in the middle. And all of a sudden, things happened, and the boss has come in close to me, and I, I think I've done him with a trick. I've done him, done him with a trick. And I made—and something was said earlier, and it stuck in my head, and Steve Bruce had said it. So it'd come in, and I think I sucked the boss in, and I don't know whether I nutmegged him or played it around him. Anything like that, I'm going to celebrate, because it wasn't really in my locker, things like that. So I've done it, and I made a fatal mistake, and I called him something. I said, come on, like like laughing to myself as well, because I've done him, a TV detective, a Scottish TV detective. Oh, no. I called him, I said that, I didn't pull it at him, I, I kind of said it, and then you know when you just virtually, if you could do, try to drag it back like that, but it was out, it was out there, and you just think that moment, and you suddenly feel oh, everyone... Man. Everyone round the box staring at you, and he said things to me after, which I won't I won't repeat on here, <laughs> in case because you know, some way, and he said it to me, and for the next hour and a half, I think I couldn't run properly because I think someone someone nicked me heart because it was gone. It was everything that's gone. But I was I was gone. I was sunk. I was just there, and and every I kept looking at him, hoping that he might smile at me or something or break the ice, and it was just one of those. And even the lads come off. In the, I'm in the dressing room. I just felt everyone was staring at me. And it took until the next day, the next day, for me to go in. And I was, it's one of them, like, it's like something's happened. You've been bullied at school. And you think, yourself, oh, I think I'm going to be ill the next day. I'm going to have an illness. I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I went in the next day. And he's, he's come in. And typ- typical of him, really, you was worried, weren't you, yesterday? Oh, like that. I was gone. I, I think you saw me. I think, I think I'd, got, I'd gone anemic. I just shook my head, I, I couldn't speak I went, yeah he goes do you think you're going to call me that again? I went
2: like
0: that. <laughs> and, he just started, and he just started and he just started laughing he just started laughing and, and that was it gone and when I say that about him he, he doesn't bear grudges Yeah. in that sense it's done and as long as, as I always say to people, as long as you haven't offended him personally or you definitely haven't offended Manchester United they're two unwritten rules and the two strongest ones and I was lucky I never went, I never went I never went anywhere near that, but I think that could have been the third because it was it was it was a moment honestly my head I was just I was buzzing I was what the hell have I done? I'm back down to London again that's what I thought it was
3: <laughs> that's amazing oh God well, yeah well you live and learn I bet you didn't do it again um oh
0: not in a millennium. I didn't think about it in case it come out of my mouth.
3: <laughs> um, yeah um, well that's it for this week guys hope you've enjoyed the podcast really great to have dave and paul on at the same time if you've enjoyed the podcast and um, please like and subscribe on um, facebook and youtube and if you've listened back on the audio podcast and enjoyed please be sure to give us a review and subscribe on the platform you're listening on we'll be back next week to talk about social Dad and the Aston Villa games until then stay well and thanks for listening and watching
2: away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com this podcast is
0: proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network TalkSport powered by fans